Today we're going to begin a trip through the book of Romans. For those of you who've been around a while, you know that you'll probably be there for a while. It's an awesome book. Awesome book. I'll tell you a story of how this book was used. There was a man who loved the world once, and the, the, the desires of the flesh are what drove him, and he gratified those desires day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, and he came to a point where he realized this was hollow, this was pointless, this was meaningless, but he was captive to it. What should he do? Well, he was sitting out one day and heard some kids singing a song, Tole Lege, means take up and read. And while he was sitting, he saw a scroll, and he picked up the scroll, and the scroll was the epistle to the Romans, and the Lord delighted to open his eyes to the truth, brought him to faith, and worked mightily through this man. His name was Augustine. I encourage you to read about him. A Roman Catholic monk buried under the weight of legalism, crushed under trying to please God no matter what he did. He knew he couldn't earn God's favor, but the church said do it and earn it, and he couldn't, but he tried. He was teaching a, 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 a lesson to some of his students from a particular book in the Bible called... And as he was teaching this wonderful doctrine of justification by grace alone through faith alone was open to him and he came to saving faith in Christ and through this man the Lord burst forth the Protestant Reformation and his name was Martin Luther. The stories of men and women and children of how the Lord worked through the book of Romans, revivals and awakenings, amazing stories to abound. And I hope and trust and pray that through our time in Romans, we might see the Lord do some amazing things. Amen? Amen. In fact, not only do I encourage you to come, I encourage you to bring people with you. Who knows how the Lord might use these words of life to draw people to himself, to saving faith, to encourage and mature people in their saving faith, or what he might do. This is a grand, massive, monumental, majestic book. It's a daunting task for the preacher. I've put this off for a lot of years. It's like Mount Everest. It looks pretty from a distance, but it's a really hard climb. Well, when climb together and Lord willing we'll see the views along the way of the beauty of the gospel this book is also an inoculation against false teaching it, it deals with all the deep foundational truths of our faith it shows us the gospel beautifully and clearly and accurately so, so be prepared to be challenged but be prepared to be awed by the beauty of truth this book answers all the big questions. I have a list. If you try to write these down, you're crazy. I'll give you some. And I'm just going through the book at 30,000 feet. What's the good news? Is Jesus God? What proves he's God? Why did he come? What is a saint? What is God like? How can God send people to hell? What about people who've never heard? Is there any advantage to being Jewish? How are we related as Christians to Abraham? to Adam, to Jesus, what is grace, what does it do, why did Christ die, how many natures does a believer have, why is there suffering, will the world be different than it is now, how can we pray properly, what is predestination, what is security, what is God's plan for Israel, you want me to keep going? All right. 
What is love and how does it work? What's our relationship to the world, to government, to the unsaved? What is freedom? How are we to deal with things that are neither right or wrong? How important is unity in the church? This book explains the beauty and the joy of life with Christ. Well, well, the problem is, I want to do it all today. It's so awesome. Do you know where we're going to get to today? Don't get balky on me, it's the first day. Okay? We're going to get through one verse, God willing, maybe. But watch. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Wow. Are you all ready? Who's Paul? Used to be called? Good little Jewish kid. Brought up in Tarsus. Right? His daddy was a Roman citizen, made him a Roman citizen by birth. His mom and dad were Jewish, made him a Jew. He was taught his daddy's trade of leatherwork, and he was a tent maker, and that served him pretty well for the glory of God. Amen? About age 13, well, back up a little bit. He grew up in a little town called Tarsus. It wasn't a little town. It was a cultural center of the world, Alexandria, Athens, and Tarsus. He was a highly educated, highly exposed, highly religious Jewish kid who was a Roman citizen. About age 13, he went off to Jerusalem where he was trained under a man named Gamaliel, the leading rabbi of the day, the grandson of the great Hillel. Paul, excuse me, Saul, excelled in his training. He was a perfect little Jewish Pharisaical legalist. He excelled beyond all of his peers. He went back to Tarsus, history tells us, and started a synagogue, I should say, led the synagogue there, and then he heard about this guy named Jesus. A heretic, a false messiah, claimed to be messiah, and he developed a cult that followed after him. So Saul decided that he would destroy this cult because he hated heresy because he loved the Lord, or so he thought. And he was a ravaging bull in a china shop to destroy the church. In fact, he was present at the martyrdom of the first Christian. Remember that? Well, one day he's off to Damascus to destroy the church in Damascus and to imprison the saints in Damascus. And on the road to Damascus, I read this really cool thing in Acts chapter 9. He met some guy on the road to Damascus. And the guy's name? Jesus. Jesus. And Paul went blind, and he fell to the ground. And Jesus said, you are persecuting me. And he killed Saul, because that's what God does. <laughs> you wicked, cruel, God-hating, idolatrous, blaspheming heretic, you will die. Is that, what, is that what Jesus said? Do you know what happened on the road to Damascus? Saul came to saving faith. This was, so look at that first word. Paul, who wrote this book? Paul. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Do, do you see what the problem here with me going too fast? You'd be like, Paul, let's stop. Pa Hitler wrote the gospel. I mean, equivalency? God-hating, Jesus-persecuting, Satan-killing, church-crushing, God forgave this man. And he restored him and reconciled him. And he used him in amazing ways. Paul's story is he was an enemy of God. 
reconciled and became a child of God. Paul understood his testimony by God's grace. He knew Jesus well. Do you know your story and Paul's story are the same story? Amen? Do you hear what I'm saying there? Who wrote the book? Paul. An enemy reconciled to God by the death of his son. Who's reading the book? John. An enemy of God reconciled by the death of the Lord Jesus. Who's hearing the book? The saints. Enemies of God reconciled to God by the death of his son. Do you see to understand the beauty of the gospel, you need to understand the wickedness of your heart and the work that Christ did. And Christ works mightily. He saved Paul. Who? Paul. What? Now, now this is awesome. I say that of like every word in the Bible. Pardon me, it's divinely inspired. So he calls himself a servant of Christ, an apostle set apart. Let's start with the uh, servant part. Go to Exodus 21. I'm going back up here because I lost my verse. 21 verse 5, that's right. You guys ever read this verse? If the slave plainly says, I love my master my wife and my children. I will not go out free, then his master shall bring him to God, and he shall bring him to the door or the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl. He shall be a slave forever. Do you know what that's saying? If a slave chooses not to go free because he loves his master, he becomes a bondservant for life. What is Paul? He is a joyfully submitted servant of Christ by love. Do you see that? Not reluctantly, not under compulsion, not as serving a harsh taskmaster. He knows who Christ is and he loves Christ. Do you know why he loves Christ? Because Christ first loved him. And he seeks to do the will of God because he knows who the God of that will is. Do you hear what I'm saying, folks? God gives commandments. And you best obey his commandments, and you will obey his commandments if you're saved. But the commandments of God are not burdensome. They're a joy and a delight. First John says that, chapter 5. Paul is a joyful bond servant of Christ. See that next word? Called. Who chose who? Paul chose Jesus, or Jesus chose Paul? called to be an apostle. What's an apostle? Now, I understand. I apologize. When you ask questions when you're preaching, I'm not expecting an answer all the time. So bear with me, or you can answer. Back in this time, there were boats called apostolic boats. This is true. Do you know what apostolic boats carried? Cargo from one city to another. An apostle is one who carries cargo for God. What's the cargo? You can answer that. It starts with G, N's, and L, and it says Ospi in the middle. We are apostolic boats called to carry the gospel of God to not other countries necessarily, but to other places and people so they might be saved. Lowercase apostle, not the sign and wonder apostles. We'll get into that later if you like. Called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel. Do you know that you can't serve God unless you're set apart? 
by God. But what, are you, what does it mean to be set apart? It means to serve Christ and not the flesh or the world. Once you are set apart, do you know that you can struggle with walking properly set apart? Did you guys know that? You sure you knew that? You want to see something kind of cool? Go to 2 Timothy. I saw this this week, never saw it before. Timothy was backsliding. Look at 1.6 in 2 Timothy. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Timothy was getting lazy. That's why Paul wrote that. Fan in the flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God gave us the spirit not of fear but of power and love and self-control. Timothy was walking in timidity and fear, a lack of love and a lack of self-control. Look at 1.8. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord nor of me. Paul, he was ashamed of the gospel. Timothy, discipled by Paul, pastoring a church, could backslide. My friends, so can you. So what's the cure? Remember who you are, how you became it, and why for. Who are you in Christ? Everybody awake? Who are you in Christ? A child of God. How did you become a child of God? Called by God. Called by God to what? Life with Christ. Life in his name. You got stapled to Jesus. He chose you to staple you so you could have joy everlasting, abundant life, eternal life, and life in his name. No matter how bad you are or were, you can't be too bad for Jesus. No matter how good you are, you can't be so good you don't need Jesus. Paul, who? Paul, what? Called as a servant in an apostolic boat to bring the gospel. Why? Well, that's what the rest of the book is about. By grace, through faith, for life with Christ, the joy to be complete, and to proclaim salvation to the lost. Now, I thought about going to verse 6, and I can do that, but we might be here a little too long. So why not just sit on this for a minute? I'm in 2 Timothy, same, same beginning of the book. It's, we'll get to that another time. Paul. Paul. Who saved Paul? Jesus. How big a deal is that? took a dead guy who hated him, who tried to kill the church, and grew him into an uppercase A apostle through whom he built the church on the foundation of the truth. Amen? That's, Paul's awesome. Amen? Paul's incredible. Amen? Paul is so powerful. Look what Paul did. Amen? Romans will remind you, don't look at Paul, don't look at you, look at Jesus Christ who saved Paul, who regenerated Paul, who loved Paul, who died for Paul to make Paul a doulos, a bondservant, will preach without notes so that he would love Jesus and joyfully serve Jesus and have life in his name. Who? Paul an enemy of God, trying to kill the saints and destroy the church who spat in Jesus' face. And Jesus wiped the spit away and embraced Paul with a hug. Amen? And he called him to be a servant because, my friends, we were made to be servants. We want independence because of the flesh. Adam and Eve wanted independence. It didn't work out so well, did it? 
We're made to live as servants of God, serving God. And that, my friends, believe it or not, is where joy is found. A fish is not made to live on the beach. A cow is not made to live in the sea. A person is not made to fly in the sky. We're made to walk with the Lord Jesus. Amen? So you can pursue everything you want out of life on your own, but you'll never find it apart from submitting to joyfully the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you are saved, Alistair Begg kicked me in the teeth with this 20 some odd years ago. If you're not sharing your faith, you might not have a faith to share. You will see the gospel so magnificently. And as you do, you will joyfully desire to share it because you understand what it was. If I could go to the hospital and give Jerry a pill to get him out in full health, what kind of sick dude would I be if I didn't go and do it? You ever think about that? If, if I had a cure for Didi, and all I had to do was go down to Didi and give her a cure, cure over cancer, what kind of sick person would I be if I didn't do that? Well, if I had a cure for death and damnation and a way to eternal life, what kind of sick fool would I be if I didn't share that? Yea, said a different way. How poorly would I understand the cure that I had received and the pill that I took and what I had become? Do you see what I'm saying here? This is inoculation against heresy. This is inoculation against distortion of the gospel. This, my wife sometimes takes her engagement ring to the jeweler and they clean it off and it sparkles. You ever do that, ladies? Get a, a cruddy looking diamond, you have enough kids in the house, it gets covered in glue and Play-Doh and soap and who knows what else, it doesn't sparkle very much. But when we leave that place, they have to go through some little machine, I don't know what they do, and I'm always speculating they're swapping it out for a piece of glass. But that sucker sparkles so pretty. My friends, the book of Romans is going to sandblast and pretty up and clean and oxidize and iodize and whatever happens in that machine. So when you see the gospel more clearly, God willing, day by day, week by week, you will rejoice in the fact of who you are, what you are becoming, and what God offers in Christ Jesus to all who will call on his name. You will not desire to gratify the desires of the flesh as much because you see what you have in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Paul, call, I can't get past this first word. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, a boat carrying the good news. You know what an uppercase A apostle is? Called by Jesus directly, verbally, audibly, in person, discipled by Jesus there ain't no uppercase A apostles today. If you meet someone and they say, I'm an apostle, just come and get me real quick. They're just not there. They don't have the apostolic gifts anymore. There's no new revelation from God. I'm a lowercase A apostle, but there ain't no uppercase A apostles alive anymore. You know why? We don't need them. Paul wasn't a uniquely special guy. He was a sinner saved by grace. Paul was called to a special office, but so are you called to a special office, to serve Christ, to glorify Christ, to know Christ well. Trust me, when you get to heaven and meet Paul, you're not going to worship Paul. You ain't going to pray to Paul. You're going to see Paul face down in front of Jesus, and you're going to join him right at his side. And you'll talk to Paul, and you may have fellowship. You will have fellowship with Paul, but if you say to Paul, I am so awed to meet you, do you Paul's going to say, you sick little dude, you're odd to meet me. Do you remember who I was? you remember what Pastor John said way back on that day when he got all the way almost through chapter 1, verse 1? He said, remember who Paul was? Paul says, I got nothing. All that I am, all that is 
good, all that is worthy, to God alone be the glory. And that's what we're after. Because when you get to that point, oh, now you really start to live. You start to live as a servant of God, as an apostolic vote from God. And the question isn't, do I have to obey God? It's, why wouldn't you want to obey God? Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel. Listen, it's serious business. You are called, listen, brothers and sisters, you are called to obey Jesus. He doesn't offer suggestions, he offers commandments. And if you don't want to keep his commandments, you need to revisit whether you truly know Jesus. If you struggle with it, that's different. If you say, I don't care, well, come and listen to the gospel. Let me show you Jesus. Because as you trust him, as you walk with him, even, listen, even when you don't necessarily want to and it's hard, what you'll find on the back end and what you'll say to Jesus is, oh, you're right. Talked about it yesterday. You know, kids growing up say to their mom and dads, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't understand me. You're going to ruin my life. And then they become parents and they call their older parents. And they say, oh, I'm sorry. You, you knew better than me. You loved me more than I knew. I wish I would have trusted you a little better. My friends, Jesus is a far better parent than you ever had or ever will be. Set apart for the gospel. His commandments are not burdensome. They're a joy and a delight to the heart. They're the path of life. It's where all the desires of your heart are met and exceeded. It's what Jesus has called you to. So in the coming, you know, I have no grand plan for how long we're going to be in Romans. We're going to be in Romans as long as the Lord allows us. Got 65 other books to preach. I'm not planning on dying in this one. Though if he takes me home, I'll tell you, it's going to be pretty awesome. We're going to go through this book piece by piece as the Lord leads. And you can be praying for me for wisdom and, and the Holy Spirit to guide me as I'm preparing. But what's the rush? We're cleaning up the gospel. We're, we're, we're clarifying truth. We're inoculating against false teaching. We're rejoicing in the Lord Jesus. We are hearing the word of life. Listen to me. Paul, a former enemy of God, saved by grace through faith, to live in fellowship with God and entrusted with the joyful responsibility of being set apart as an ambassador of the gospel, living his life under the perfect care of God himself. That's the testimony of Paul that you'll read about in the book of Romans. This ain't a perfect dude. Oh, what a wretched man I am. We'll get there. Though I know what I want to do, I don't do what I want to do because what I want to do is what I don't do. You're like, what are you talking about? Romans 7. But little by little, Paul grew to know and love Jesus. This book, under the power of the Holy Spirit, will show us how to live in the joy of this God who is, so that we might have the joy he intends for us, be used by him as he desires, and delight in him as he delights in us for his glory. Now, I'm just asking, y'all want to see this book? Y'all yeah. want to go after this a little bit? You want to see the gospel cleaned up a little bit and magnificent and marvelous so as you go through your life and the sewage creeps up towards the house and the phone rings with bad news and you're doing a visitation in a place that just, oh, it's scary and, and, and you're 
struggle in with, with your week and week out, do, do you want to go with your head in the junk and focus on the stuff? Or do you want to allow the Lord to lift your eyes up? Because listen, you'll see, Paul didn't go and preach the gospel in Tahiti in a villa. I remember some stoning, some beating, some caning. Some, he was, this, this cat is crazy. He was stoned dead, apparently, thrown out of the city. He came back in, started preaching the rest of his sermon. He preached a sermon in a hothouse, went through the night, some poor kid fell asleep, dropped dead. You all think I'm long, hissing a Paul. You know what he did? He went and got the dead kid, brought him back to life, and stuck him back in the room. You gotta listen to the rest. This is, this is not a perfect man, but it's a man who served a perfect God. And the more perfectly he served God, the more he rejoiced in the truth. That's as far as I'm going today, because this is too good to rush by. God willing, we're going to go through the introduction next week. But let me also encourage you guys, read through this book of Romans. Read ahead. Read it repetitively. Get a good study Bible. Read the, the study notes. If you want a commentary, I'll recommend a couple. Dig into this with me. I am not the sole dispenser of truth. This is truth. I preach the truth, God willing, in the power of God, called by God to do it. But this is marvelous. Any question, listen to this, and I'll close here, maybe. Any question we have ever looked at at Real Conversations, downstairs in Sunday school, or in conversational settings, whatever they may be, listen here. Any question we have ever talked about is addressed in the book of Romans. That's an audacious statement, isn't it? Now, it might not answer them with the specificity you desire, but the principles and precepts to apply are all here. But more importantly than answering the questions, do you know what this book does? It points to Jesus. And what I love about this first thing, who is this book about? Jesus. Not about Paul. It's about Jesus who called Paul. And he called him to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God. Do you guys understand who we are in Christ? Set apart by God for the gospel by the gospel. Now, maybe you don't know Christ yet. I pray that you will, either through the preaching of Romans or even today. God takes enemies and forgives them. He takes sinners and saves them. He takes people who refuse to submit to his authority, who think they know better than him, and who seek to find joy in idolatry in the flesh. And he offers forgiveness and life in his name. Did Paul deserve to be forgiven? No. Nope. It's called grace. Do you deserve to be forgiven? No. Nope. It's called grace. It's called amazing grace. It's what came to set us free. And as we're set free by grace, do you know what you're set free to? A miserable, joyless life of just doing what Jesus said and close your mouth and don't complain. Amen? I think that's what we present to the world sometimes. That's how I grew up. It wasn't miserable. It was just do what I say. Life with Christ is not miserable. It's the opposite. It's joyful. It's not fatalistic submission. It's joyful obedience. It's because Jesus is leading us in paths of righteousness. Do you ever read Psalm 23 about the good shepherd? Let's close with that. This is a uh, 
We preached through that a ways back. I scare some people whenever I reference Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. My friends, Romans 1.1, the beginning of an introduction to the Good Shepherd. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, our Good Shepherd, the author and perfecter of our faith. Help us, Jesus, to know you well. I pray that you work through this book of your word, Romans, in amazing ways, through which you alone are glorified. Help us see you clearly. Lord, if there's anyone here today who doesn't yet know you, we pray, Holy Spirit, you would convict them of the reality of sin in their life, condemnation before you, the fact that you're not a little pushover grandpa. You are the sovereign Lord of all creation. And if we are not perfect, you will destroy us. Not apart from love, but in love. But yet you show your love in that while we were still sinners, imperfect, Christ Jesus, you came to die for us. You called us. You reconciled us. You justified us. But Lord, we who are saved sometimes forget who we are. Please remind us. Paul's salvation is no more or less impressive than ours. It's a miracle of you making a dead body live. And only you, Lord, can bring life where there's only death. So we praise you for the work you did in Paul's life. We praise you for the work you're doing in our life. And we pray you will strengthen us to do the work you have called us to as those entrusted with life in your name. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.